special way today. Uh, we welcome our guests, especially this morning. You are very important to us, and we're glad that you are here. And we hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship the Lord together this morning. Uh, a few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. First of all, uh, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets that are on each row. I'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out and pass it down the row. And uh, so we can have a record of your attendance with us this morning. And especially if you would like to be on our email news list, we send that out every Thursday morning. Uh, if you would like to be on that list, please put your email address on there, and we'll be sure to get you on our, our e-news list. Uh, uh, and and you'll, you'll have an idea of what's going on here at the church and some great things that are happening there. Um, also, a special announcement today. Uh, we've got some new grandparents in our uh, congregation. Tim Hall, is, is Cindy here? Cindy's still there. Cindy's still down there. She's taking care of the mama. She's taking care of mama. Okay. <laughs> Tim and Cindy Hall are new grandparents, and so we celebrate with them. Uh, Lucianne Hall Piva? Is that Piva. Piva was born Thursday, seven pounds, two ounces, and 19 inches long. And, uh, and I, I thought we were going to have a picture here, but uh, apparently that didn't get through. Uh, but we'll try to get that picture sometime there. And she, I can say that she is a beautiful, beautiful little baby. Another great grandbaby. Uh, uh, another great grandbaby. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Uh, just a couple other things. Uh, let me remind you that... Um, uh, that we are continuing our visioning process, and w- uh, with, with that process, we are having a meeting today from 2 to 5 to continue our process, and, and we are getting there, folks. I know it's been a, uh, a hard and laborious uh, process, uh, but we are getting there, and uh, so we'll be meeting today from 2 to 5 here at the church, and I uh, hope you can make that uh, if you're part of the deacons or the church council. Uh, we would appreciate you doing that. Let me thank those who uh, <clears throat> contributed to our Lenten lunch this past week. Uh, we, we hosted the Lenten lunch on Wednesday, and thank you for everybody who, uh, who provided the, the lunch and who were a part of the program. We really appreciate that. And I'll remind you that the Lenten lunch for this week will be at the Presbyterian Church. Uh, that'll be at the Presbyterian Church at noon, and, uh, and then we'll have lunch immediately after at about 1230. And that's a great time. I tell you, it's really a lot of fun to gather together as a, a community of faith representing different denominations, different faiths, and, uh, and to worship the Lord together as we journey towards uh, the crucifixion and the resurrection of our Lord. We're glad that you're here today, and uh, we just pray for God's blessing in a very special way. So we invite you to now to turn around, stand up, turn around, and shake the hands of the people around you. Let's just spend a moment greeting each other in the name of the Lord. This is a day that the Lord 
if you will, and you can be seated. If you will indulge me for a moment, I'll, I'll practice a little Portuguese on you. Uh, Olindo Bibi Luciani. My little beautiful Lucy, my granddaughter. Uh, for all of you that have had children or grandchildren, you know there's just something special. It's, it's sacred and holy when you hold a newborn baby. And it, it really is a miracle. Uh, when I held my granddaughter in my arms yesterday, um, or Friday, I thought about these songs and just kind of rang true in my ears. And uh, I hope you will follow along these.
Children come down for Children's Church now. this morning is going to talk about the Ten Commandments. And sometimes for um, when we're little, it's hard to read the Bible because uh, it, the big Bible, if it's not made for kids, because it's hard to understand some of the big words. So what I did was um, I printed out the Ten Commandments so you guys could understand them. And I want to walk through them with you real quick. And then um, I'm going to ask you some questions about it and if you have any that you don't understand, we're going to talk about it real quick, okay? So the Ten Commandments, the first one is to put God first. And what does that mean when you put God first? Hmm? Just what it says, right? Everything that you do, you should think about God first and what God wants from you, right? Number two is worship only God. So we don't want to worship anything else, not money, not toys. Right? We want to make sure that we worship God and God only. Number three is use God's name with respect. So we shouldn't say words that, that are disrespectful to God and use God's name with them. God's name is very important. Just like your name is very important. You don't want people to use your name in the wrong way. Right? God doesn't want you to use his name in the wrong way either. Remember God's Sabbath is number four. What's the Sabbath? You know what the Sabbath is? Today. Today's the Sabbath. It's the Sunday. You know, God made the world, and then on the seventh day, he rested. So God wants us to keep a day of rest. When I was your age, I used to imagine that God had a recliner, and he sit back on this last day. He made the world, and he was drinking a cup of hot tea, and he was looking around saying, Yep, this is what I did. And looking around at how good it was, right? So on the seventh day, we need to just take some time to remember God and what he did for us and sit back and, and relax and, and enjoy that, that uh, he's given us all the things that he's given us. Number five is respect your parents. That's very important. And no matter how old you get, that's always important. You respect your parents, right? And other people's parents as well. Is that hard to do sometimes? Yeah. But you know what? Even when you don't respect your parents, God gives us mercy. And that's what we have to have because sometimes we're not always perfect, right? We mess up. I've messed up. Everybody's messed up, okay? But God's there to forgive us, and so are your parents. But they still have to make sure that you do what's right. Number six, don't hurt others. So if you have brothers and sisters, that's sometimes hard, huh? You guys fight and stuff. We don't want to hurt each other. Be faithful in marriage. That means when you have someone that you love and you're married that... You always stay, stay with that person and you're committed and loving to that person. Number eight is don't steal, right? Number nine is don't lie. And number ten is don't be envious of others. What's envious? When you want what others have. So who likes Webkins? You like Webkins? Yeah? Or um, Barbies? Yeah? Or how about Transformers? No? <laughs> My husband likes Transformers. Um, if anybody, if your friends have one of those and you don't, it says don't, don't wish that you had it. Sometimes you do. You wish that you had what, what they had. But God always gives us exactly what we need. 
And if you trust that God gives you what you need, then you really don't need the Webkins, right, that they have. Or you don't need the Barbie that they have, okay? So God gives us exactly what we need. Um, I do have candy for you, but it is on the back table, so when you leave today, you can have it. But what I did, um, and my husband helped me, was make some things for you. These are, um, when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, he wrote them on stone, on a big piece of, uh, of rock. And that's what Moses brought to the people. Well, we don't have that rock. I couldn't bring rock in with, with the Ten Commandments on it. But uh, in order for us to know what God did, they used to write things on um, scrolls. And when those scrolls, over time, they would get brown and get old and aged. So I made you all scrolls. And when you open these up, the Ten Commandments is written for you. Um, you can write on these scrolls however you want to, but this is like old paper that they used to use, okay? So you guys come and get one of those, and you can take them home and do whatever you want to with them, okay? may be seated. Our scripture reading for today comes from the book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible, chapter 20, verses 1 through 17, and uh, this is the Ten Commandments that Nicole went through with the children a little while ago, just the wording is a little bit different here. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and the fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses God's name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. 
Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord is Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witnesses against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This is the word of God for you and for me. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. O Lord God, we acknowledge your presence with us here today. We gather in the name of Jesus who established your church, who has shown us who you are, O God, as as no one has ever been able to do before or since. We come in the name of the one who has come into our lives as a friend, a redeemer, our Savior and Lord, and who utterly transforms each one of us who comes to you. And so, O oh God, we pray that you would do your transforming work in our lives today through our Lord Jesus Christ. May your message be the power unto salvation as we gather together in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you for giving us your all, your best, your beloved. Father, we pray that you work your will in our lives. Help us yield to the Holy Spirit that ministers. Father, we ask that you bless this offering now for thy kingdom's sake. And these things we pray in Jesus' name, amen.
mother and her two small boys were having a serious discussion about stealing and why it was wrong. And so she said, tell me, why do you think stealing is wrong? Well, five-year-old Luke said that stealing was against God's law. He had learned about the Ten Commandments in Sunday school. And so mother asked the boys if, if they knew any of the other Ten Commandments. And Luke remembered two others, you shall not kill and honor your father and mother. But the boys couldn't think of any of the other commandments until little Patrick piped up and said, Oh, 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 I know one. Pick up your toys. Well, that commandment ought to be there if it's not. Amen. I got it. Amen. <laughs> That's a parent giving me that amen. And it's true that the, the Ten Commandments have traditionally been difficult to uh, translate into the language of children. Uh, Nicole did a great job translating it into the language of children a little while ago. But it's, it's hard to do. It's been a hard thing to do. There was one uh, third grade Sunday school teacher who was particularly uneasy about the lesson on thou shalt not commit adultery. And she didn't know how she was going to approach this with these third graders. So she, she asked the children, would someone please explain to me what adultery means? And one young fella answered that adultery is when a kid lies about his age to make people think he's an adult. One Sunday school teacher asked her class if they knew what the last commandment was, and a little girl promptly said, Thou shalt not take the covers off, their, off thy neighbor's wife. <laughs> and then, of course, there is that central commandment to all boys and girls, the fifth commandment, Thou shalt humor thy mother and thy father. <laughs> One of the more interesting controversies that has engaged our country in recent years is whether the Ten Commandments should be displayed in public places, particularly in government buildings. And this controversy continues in spite of the fact that according to one survey, only one of every ten Americans believes in all of the Ten Commandments. And let that sink in a minute. Only one in, ten commandments, one in ten Americans believes in all of the Ten Commandments. And according to this study, 40% of all Americans subscribe to five or fewer of the Ten Commandments. So I guess we can kind of pick and choose. It's a smorgasbord type of a thing. So it seems that, that we Americans like to honor the Ten Commandments. And some people want to honor them by placing them in public places. But honoring the Ten Commandments is not the same thing as keeping them, is it? And so, like everything else in this litigious country of ours, the matter ends up in court. Back in 2003, Judge Roy Moore, the Chief Justice of the Alabama Supreme Court became an instant celebrity when he removed from the Alabama court, uh, he was removed from the Alabama court because he refused to have a monument of the Ten Commandments removed from the Alabama courthouse. That set off a firestorm of controversy across this country. And you may or may not have strong opinions about this matter. There are a lot of good people of faith on, on either side of this issue but you know what's, what's interesting to me is that no one has ever sued to have this, the Sermon on the Mount placed in a public building. I mean, after all, the Ten Commandments are Jewish, but the Sermon on the Mount is distinctly Christian. It's just an interesting little side note there. Yet still, the Ten Commandments are important to us. They they fill a unique role in our culture and in our faith. They are the foundation of many of our laws. And even if we don't keep them all that well, they are central to our understanding of the character of a righteous person. And here's something very important for us to grasp today. The best way 
that we can honor the Ten Commandments is to take them seriously. They were given to the Jewish people by a holy God as a set of expectations for their behavior as they began to learn how to become a social and a spiritual community. These people didn't know what they were doing. They were fresh from slavery, wandering around in the desert, and they were just beginning to try to figure out how to be a people together. And so God gave them, gave them these Ten Commandments to help them figure out how to be a spiritual and social community together. And they were etched in stone, as it were, both literally and figuratively. However, the truth of the matter is that they've always been interpreted situationally. For example, the people of Israel never took the sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill, literally. I mean, that might mean the end of war. And the Old Testament contains a lot of stories about killing, sometimes even in the name of God. So most modern translations translates the sixth commandment as you shall not murder instead of you shall not kill. And that comes closer to the actual practice, whether it was the actual intent or not. But society has always interpreted this commandments with, with some latitude. How do you think our society interprets the fourth commandment? Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Now, most people probably, to, the, to most people, that means remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy unless there's a football game or a, or a soccer practice. So you see, we, we tend to interpret these commandments with a, a wide degree of latter, latitude. <clears throat> Yet still these commandments are important to Jews and to Christians alike because they give us guidance in dealing with issues that we face every day of our lives. And so we need to know them. We need to live by them to the best of our ability. And we need to use them as a guide for our lives because God gave us these commandments to help us live a satisfying life with God and with each other. And so with that in mind, it seems to me that, that more than inscribing these words on a courthouse wall, we, we need to inscribe these words upon our hearts. Because you see, the Ten Commandments were given to us to help us build a functioning society. They were designed to help humanity, not by putting us in a moral straitjacket, but by providing us with positive boundaries to guide our behavior. Now, I know that some people don't like that word boundary. You know, some, to some people, the word boundary is a dirty word. Uh, I mean, it seems just so, I don't know, confining. <laughs> well, confining is not always that bad. For example, if a, if a river has no boundaries, what do you have? A swamp. So you see, boundaries give us the ability to function in the best way possible. And that's why we need to, to know the Ten Commandments. And we need to take them seriously. And we need to use them as a guide for our lives. But we also need to see this. The Ten Commandments are only the beginning of a Christian's responsibility. Only the beginning of our responsibility to God and to each other. Basically, the Ten Commandments give us a minimum dose of what it means to serve God. But the fact is that the Ten Commandments were designed for a pre-Christian society. Now, you may be thinking, where's he going with this? Well, I want to call to your attention a couple of stories uh, from Jesus' life this morning. Um, you may remember the story of Jesus' encounter with the rich young ruler. A young man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, If you want to enter, enter life, obey the commandments. And the man inquired, Which ones? 
And Jesus said, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. Five of these six come straight from the Ten Commandments. And so the young man said, all of these I have kept. What else do I need to do? Now notice that he had kept all of the commandments, but, but still it seemed that he was missing the meaning of life. And so Jesus said to him, if you want to, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to be perfect here, then, then go and sell all of your possessions and give them to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. Now you remember how the story ends? When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. He had kept all of these commandments, and that was a good thing. But now Jesus was telling him to go out and make a difference in the world, and he couldn't do it. The fact is that the Ten Commandments were God's gift to a pre-Christian society, and they were to spell out the minimum requirements for a godly life. But there's so much more to life than just being a good person. Isn't there? Because, you see, we need to be good for something. My mama used to tell me that if I weren't good for something, I'd be good for nothing. And I guess she was probably right. The second story that uh, I want to call to your attention comes from Luke 10. When a lawyer came up to, to Jesus... And also asked the same question that the rich young ruler asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what's written in the law? And the lawyer said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus replied, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But the lawyer, who wanted to justify himself, asked Jesus, but but who's my neighbor? In other words, What's the minimum amount that I can get by with (laughs) and still have eternal life? And that's when Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan. In both of these instances, Jesus was saying that obeying the commandments is pretty good, but it's only a start. And if you really want to live your life as a disciple of Jesus Christ, then you need to live a life not only obeying the rules, but you also need to live a life of love. To live a life like Jesus lived, giving your life to others. Folks, the Ten Commandments are the minimum requirement for a godly life. And of course, sometimes we don't even meet the minimum requirements, minimum requirements, do we? We covet what other people have. We are envious of their new car or their beautiful house or their new coat or whatever, their new tennis shoes. And we covet those things and we lust and we steal time from our employers and we abuse the Sabbath rest. And we say that we serve God, but God is rarely in our thoughts unless, of course, we, are, we find ourselves in a tight place and all of a sudden we're praying real hard. Or when we use God's name in swearing. And that's why there needs to be grace. For you see, we're not saved by obeying the Ten Commandments. We are saved by grace. You know, even though keeping the Ten Commandments is the minimal requirement for a godly life, maybe it's time for true confession, folks. It's more than most of us can do, isn't it? (laughs) It's more than most of us can do. And so what do we do? Well, here it is. We throw ourselves before the mercy seat of God. And we confess our sins and we give thanks for God's amazing grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Now, I know that you probably don't think of yourself as a wretch. And I don't either. I know most of you and pretty good people. (laughs) 
and measured against a lot of people in this world, you're not a wretch. However, measured against the standard which Christ established, you and I both are pretty pathetic. When we put ourselves up against the, the, the standard that Christ has put before us. The fact is that we can't make it on our own. We can't obey the Ten Commandments to, enough to warrant even a second glance from God. And because of that, we need a Savior. And God sent that Savior into this world and His name is Jesus. Somebody once said that nobody's perfect until you fall in love with them. <laughs> well, let me tell you something, folks. God is head over heels in love with you. No, you're not perfect. Neither am I. But let me tell you the good news today. God sees us through the eyes of love. And God wants us to look at others through those eyes of love as well. And that's what grace is all about. We see the, the imperfections in our lives and the lives of others. But just as God has forgiven us and loved us, so we forgive others and love them as well. It's kind of like the story that, about a, that great, Chinese saint, Watchman Nee. Uh, what a great man he was. It seems that a new convert came to see Mr. Nee and, and, and he was in great distress. He said, no matter how much I pray, no matter how hard I try, I simply cannot seem to be faithful to my Lord. I think I'm losing my salvation, he said. And so Watchman Nee put his arm around this young fella and he he said, do you see that dog over here? He's my dog. He's house trained. He never makes a mess. He is obedient and he is a pure delight for me. But over there in the kitchen, I have a son, a baby son, and he makes a mess. He throws his food on the floor. He fouls his clothes. He is a total mess. But guess who is going to inherit my kingdom? Not my dog. My son is my heir. And you are Christ's heir because it is for you that Christ died. My friends, we are heirs of Jesus Christ, not through our perfection, but by means of God's grace. And that's good news for each of us today. Now, I hope that you can keep all the Ten Commandments. That's the minimal requirement for a faithful Christian. But I also hope that you can keep the Great Commandment. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. To love your neighbor as yourself. And to live your life doing good for others like Jesus did. To live that life of love. If you do this, then you will truly be walking in the footsteps of Jesus and the world will be a much better place. But here's what you need to know. God loves you with an everlasting love regardless of what you do. Because we're God's children. Not through our perfection, but by God's grace. Fact is that you nor I will ever satisfy all of the laws. But thanks be to God that we don't have to. What we need to do is to surrender our lives to Jesus and then depend on the mercy of our loving Lord. That is the gospel for you and for me today. Amen.
we have come to that portion of our service where we will observe the Lord's Supper, communion with one another. And as the choir has just sung, our prayer is that as the bread and the, and the cup enter into our bodies, that the love of God will flow into us and through us. Because as we observe the Lord's Supper together today, we are observing the love of God for us and remembering just how great that love is in that Christ died for us. We are remembering the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is love. If I could have our deacons to come forward, um, we will uh, prepare for the Lord's Supper. Uh, We will have uh, both of our ways of, of observing the Lord's Supper today. We have the bread and the cup here, and we will uh, observe in tincture. Um, and if you would like, you can come down either aisle, and you, you may be seated, deacons, for just a moment. Uh, you can come down either aisle and, um, and take a piece of bread from the loaf. If you're coming down this aisle, if you could pinch a piece of bread off and then go to the cup next to you and dip it into the cup and then return to your seat uh, along the sides. And if you're coming down this way, you'll do the same this way. Uh, and we also recognize that not everyone uh, likes to, to come down and to dip the bread in the, in the cup. Uh, if you would prefer not to do that, then we will have some deacons that are coming down the aisle from the back and uh, with the traditional um, bread and the, and the little cups. And if you would, just go ahead and take that and eat the bread when you get it. Don't wait for, for anyone to say anything and uh, take the cup and go ahead and drink the cup if you would prefer to do it that way. That will be fine as well. Uh, and if, if you're uh, not able to get up, uh, um, then you're, you're free to, to take it in that way as well. Um, let us stand for the deacons. Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread and he broke it, giving thanks. He said, this is my body, which is given for you. And in the same way, also, he took the cup and he gave thanks for it and said, this is my blood that is shed for you. The blood of a new covenant, a new thing I do for you. And this, in observing the Lord's Supper, we are remembering the body of Christ, and the blood of Christ that was shed for us. Jesus said, or God said in in Romans that this is love. This is the demonstration of love, that Christ would die for us even while we are yet sinners. And that's each and every one of us, my friends. We are all sinners, but God loves us that much that Christ would die for us. And I pray that we would think about that and meditate on that as we take the bread representing the body of Christ and the cup representing the blood of Christ. Would you come? You are welcome at God's table. Come and observe the Lord's Supper.
God is in this place. We know that because God has promised to be with us in everything that we do. And God has specifically promised us that he would be with us in the celebration of this Lord's Supper. We have taken the body of Christ. We have shared the blood of Christ. We've remembered the love of God in this event. And I hope that as you live your life, you will live your life remembering what God has done for us in giving us his son. We're going to sing a closing hymn, number 387, Blessed Be the Tie. And this communion has blessed us and has brought us together as one, tied us together. There may be someone here today who needs to make a commitment to Jesus Christ, realizing that nothing we can do can warrant our salvation. But it is only by the grace of God that we can that we can be accepted by God and loved by God. Maybe you need to make that commitment to that kind of grace today. Or perhaps you're looking for a church to be a part of. We invite you to come and unite with our church. Or maybe you just need to come and and have a word of prayer. And that's fine too. We invite you to come as we sing together. 387, blessed be the time. Would you come? Let's stand. that God has made us God's beloved children, that we are more than simply obedient puppets on a string, that we are heirs to the kingdom established by the Lord's beloved Son, Jesus. May we go in obedience to Christ, but mostly may we go loving God with all of our hearts and all of our soul and strength and mind, and may we go loving our neighbors as ourselves recognizing that it is by the grace of God that we are saved. And let us be thankful for that grace that God has given to us. In Christ's name we pray, who gave his life for us. Amen.